Okay, it's great to see all your wonderful faces here this morning. Um, thank you for coming to High Life Church today. Amen. You know, the Bible says in the presence of God there's fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what you've come to experience today in Jesus' name. Well, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful. Uh, we're so thankful for your presence. The Bible says that um, in the day of your power, your people shall be willing. And Lord, we believe that this is that day. This is that day. Um, in the words of the, the poet, we say, disturb us, O God. When we're too pleased with ourselves. When our dreams come true because we dream too little. When we have arrived in safety because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, O Lord, when with the abundance of the things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the water of life. When having fallen in love with time, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to grow dim. Stir us up, O God, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms shall show thy mastery. And when losing sight of land, we shall find the stars in the name of him who pushed back the horizons of our hopes and invited the brave to follow even the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we spend a few minutes in your word this morning, we ask that your spirit will empower us to speak your word. Because we know that the letter kills, but the spirit is what gives life. Let every man, woman, boy and girl receive illumination today. That will bring them into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. As Solomon mentioned, um, in, the month of, um, in the month of June, we're going to be having a, a time of prayer and fasting every Friday. And then on Sundays, we'll also pray at 9.30 in the morning. And I really want everyone to, um, to get involved in that. Get involved in that. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. They are always to pray and not to faint. So we're going to explore that a little bit this morning as we set the foundation for our time of prayer and fasting. Let's open our Bibles to the book of James chapter 5. We're going to start there this morning. James 5 verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says... The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic in its working. So that means that your prayer is important. You don't just pray for praying's sake. It says, confess to one another and pray for one another. And something happens when you pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer. The effectual fervent prayer. There's a way to pray effectively and there's a way to pray fervently. Then he goes on to give an example. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it will not rain. And he did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. So that means that Elijah's prayer was effective, wasn't it? Yeah, it made um, things happen. There were changes because Elijah prayed. And the Bible is giving us the indication here that you and I can be as effective as Elijah was effective. Now, why was Elijah effective in his prayer life? I believe that Elijah was effective because he prayed in line 
with the purpose of God. He prayed in line with the purpose of God. And we're going to explore a little bit of that this morning. You know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, um, in Luke chapter 11, the famous Our Father prayer, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the true purpose of prayer is to establish in the earth the will of God that has been established in the heavens. The true purpose of prayer, effective prayer, is when we pray in line with the purpose of God. You know, in Matthew 18, um, Matthew 18, 18, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that whatever we bind on earth, is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose enough is loosed in heaven. And you see a lot of people going around binding things and loosing things. And that is obviously the wrong interpretation. And we know it's the wrong interpretation because it doesn't work. Has anyone tried to bind you lately? You know? Did it work? Did it take? Well, no. Wrong interpretation. As a matter of fact, if you read the Amplified Version of Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, Whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So basically what we're doing in prayer is we are establishing in the earth that which has been established as the will of God in heaven. And that was why Elijah's prayers were effective. Because his prayer was in line with the purpose of God. When your prayer is in line with the purpose of God, it will be effective every time. Amen. Let us see how this played out in the life of Elijah. Because I believe this was the secret to his effectiveness. And I believe it's the secret to our effectiveness as well. And that is why we're calling this time of prayer and, um, and fasting. Let's look at the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. As we unfold this this morning. 1 Kings chapter 17. Effective prayer is always in line with the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God for my life? What is the purpose of God for my business? What is the purpose of God for my children? You know, the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go, and or when they grow up, they will not depart from it. One translation says, train up the child in the way that he is bent. In the way that he is bent. You know, God has a purpose for your children. Yeah, he has a purpose for their lives. And God wants to reveal that purpose to you as the parent first. Alright? Rather than saying, you know, we don't have a lawyer in the family, uh, you're going to be a lawyer. You know, I've spent so much money on legal fees, um, so in future I will make sure that there is a lawyer in the family. Rather than going down that tack, the Bible, you, you know, if you just pray that my son, will, your son will become a lawyer, um, it, it, it may not be effective. You've got to say, what is the purpose of God for this child? Amen. You want to train up a child in the way that they are bent. If your child is creative, you know, and um, has a flair for creative things, stop trying to get them to be an accountant. Alright? You want to you wanna train them. You want to nurture them up in the direction of their grace. Because the grace of God is where the power of God is already at work in the life of that child. The grace of God is where the power of God is already at work in your life. Some of you ought to change careers. You say, it's too late for me. 
Well, it's not too late for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Go out in the area of grace. Somebody once said, um, don't ask what the world needs. That's what makes you come alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. You need to come alive in what you're doing. Amen. That's another sermon. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're talking about prayer uh, is only effective when it is in line with the purpose of God. I'll start reading from verse 1. There are a lot of verses I want to cover this morning to establish the foundation for what I'm teaching. So we're going to, uh, we're going to move quite quickly. Verse 1 of uh, 1 Kings 17 says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now was Elijah just making a positive confession? Or was he declaring something that was in line with the purpose of God? We'll see that a little bit later. That the only reason why Elijah said this was because he knew this to be the purpose of God. It is not wisdom to go around saying stuff that you haven't established as the purpose of God. Yeah? Anyway, let's move on. It says, then the word of the Lord. Everyone say the word of the Lord. It said, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, get away from here and turn eastward, hide by the brook Kereth, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah wasn't walking around saying, everywhere the soles of my feet shall tread upon belongs to me. The Bible says that he received insight into the purpose of God. God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you at the brook Kereth. We will see as we look at this that the word of the Lord was vital to the effectiveness of Elijah's life. The word of God is vital for the effectiveness of your life. The Bible says Elijah went to the brook Kereth. And of course, as the Lord had said, you know, in verse 5, it says he went, he did it according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kereth, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord supernaturally led him to do what he did. But because God leads you somewhere doesn't mean that he's going to provide for you through that avenue forever. God and God alone will be your source. Sometimes the word of the Lord will come and he will lead you to a place. And uh, the plan of God is uh, for you to be nourished through that avenue for a time. And when the right time comes, the word of the Lord will come to you again. God does not want you to be tied into any avenue of revenue. The only tie he wants you to have is to his divine presence. Sometimes we don't know why the brook dries up. It's not my business why the brook dries up as long as I'm connected with God. The access to the word of the Lord is the power of the believer. That's what separates us from the world. For the Bible says... In verse 6, that the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah did not panic. He sought the word of the Lord. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Alright, go to Zarephath, to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded there to provide for you. 
I have, prov- I have commanded there to provide for you. How vital the word of the Lord was to Elijah's life. When he went to the brook Kerith, um, to, to Zarephath, um, it, it seemed as though God did not inform widow that he had commanded her to feed Elijah. Because when you read the rest of the story, Elijah got there and the, the widow was preparing a little cake um, for herself and her son. And the widow said, I don't have enough. I, I, in fact, we're going to die. And he spoke the word of the Lord to her and said, feed me first. God save us from ministers that say, feed me first without the word of the Lord. <laughs> he said, feed me first. Because this is the word of the Lord. That meal will not dry. That cruise of oil will not dry. This is the word of the Lord. Elijah was operating by the word of the Lord. And we know the rest of the story. The widow got fed. The son did not die. And the, the, the Elijah got fed. The word of the Lord. 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 The word of the Lord is a secret to our effectiveness in God. The word of the Lord. Let's keep reading. Look at chapter 18. It says, it came to pass after many days. Now you know this, um, this famine went on for three years. It went on for three years. But in the midst of the famine, the Lord provided for Elijah. Why? Because he knew how to access the word of the Lord. I, I, are you with me this morning? There is the word of the Lord available to you that will protect you in the day of famine. You might say to yourself, you know, why didn't the Lord just um, just feed Elijah by the brook carry for three years throughout the famine period? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been more effective? But you notice that when Elijah was being fed at the brook, it was just Elijah that was was helped, wasn't it? But when he he followed the word of the Lord to the to the widow of Zarephath, the widow got saved, her son got saved. God was expanding his area of influence. The Lord will cause the brook to dry up where you are to take you to a place of greater influence. And when you get there, uh, the table might not be set. You might need to till the ground a little bit. It might look difficult. The widow might say, Pastor, go back to where you came from. But it is because the Lord is expanding you. The word of the Lord does not create ease. The word of the Lord is not something that, you know, removes uh, the importance to make decisions or, or, or the importance of being courageous. That's not the, what the word of the Lord is. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But God was expanding Elijah's influence. And the purpose of God was leading him from place to place. Yes, he was always provided for. But he had to engage with the process. The word of the Lord is not to create a life of ease for you. It is to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. It is to change the destiny of a nation. It is to change the destiny of a family. It is to cause the plan of God to be birthed in the world of men. Let us keep reading. It says, after many days. So he was with the widow and her son for many days. His influence was being expanded. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah again in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So when James says that Elijah was a man of like passions like we are, he prayed it did not rain. He prayed again and it rained. 
It wasn't because Elijah was some kind of, you know, he had this uh, supernatural power. No, the only power he had was to hear the word of the Lord. To know what to do at what time. To know what is the purpose of God for us now. What is the purpose for Israel now? What should we be doing now? In the time of drought, he will take care of me. But when he says, yes, it is time for rain, then I will declare that it is time for rain. The things that happen in the life of Elijah are things that will happen in your life. This is how God wants to deal with you. Where you function by the word of the Lord. And therefore your prayer is effective. Elijah was only praying what, what, what he knew to be the will of God. You know, he went to present himself to Ahab. And he said, why do you go between two opinions? If Baal is Lord, serve him. If God is Lord, serve him. And then he called the people together on Mount Carmel. And he said, you know what? Let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. I mean, why are you, why are you, why are you, why are you vacillating between two opinions, Israel? If God is God, serve him. But if Baal is God, serve him. Now, now why did Elijah do this? Was he like, okay, you know what? God is going to uh, support anything I say. Um, or was it because of the word of the Lord? It was the word of the Lord. And we'll see that in a minute. Look further down in um, 1 Kings 18. What am I doing? I'm trying to establish this thing called the word of the Lord as the foundation for effectiveness in prayer. When 1 Kings 18. Let's go down to um, verse 22. It says, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left. A prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces. And lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. Then you shall call the name of, uh, call on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said it is well spoken. You know, they're not the ones calling down fire from heaven. They said, let's see. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given, they prepared it, they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. Uh, so, it was at noon, uh, so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. I mean, what was the reason for Elijah's boldness? So they cried out aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he prepared the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sails of seed. And he put the wood on in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, Fill water pots with water, pour it on the bond sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time, and he said, Do it a third time. 
And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. This is a man that was confident. This is a man that was confident. Verse 36 says, And it came to pass, you know, I, I must say, I mean, I, I believe that he, he used all this water, um, obviously for two reasons. Number one, so they won't say that the, you know, the man of God carried matches. But I think more importantly, it was a time of drought, wasn't it? It was a time of famine. Water was scarce. So water was a sign of an offering. It was a precious offering. Yeah? A precious offering. And then Elijah prayed. He says, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah came near and said, Lord God of Abraham. Just listen to this prayer. Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. So everything he was doing was because the word of the Lord had come to him. That this is what you need to do at this time. It is not a man trying to influence the purpose of God. It is a man aligning himself with the purpose of God for his life. And humbling himself under the mighty hand of God. Because God said indeed, are you not the clay and I the potter? Can I not choose to do with you what I will? This is not a man trying to manipulate God to do what he wants God to do for him. Doesn't that sound uh, ridiculous? A man trying to manipulate the creator of life. To do for him what he wants the creator to do. is our place not to humble ourselves under God's hand. And say God let your will be done in my life. What do you have purpose? God reveal to me what your plan and purpose is for my life. And I will submit to that. I will align myself to bring to pass in the physical. That which you have ordained for me before the foundation of the world. I know you are a God full of grace and glory. So whatever you have ordained for me. That is perfect. And when what happened? Verse 38 says, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, they said, The Lord, He is. He is God. The Lord. He is God. The power of God was manifest because a man submitted himself to receiving the word of the Lord and following it through. He had to engage with the process. Later on, we see what happened. He knew um, that it was time for rain to come on the earth. We saw in, uh, in uh, verse 1 of 1 Kings 18 that the Lord said that it was time for rain to come on the earth. So look at what Elijah did. In verse 41, he says, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. How did Elijah know that there was going to be rain? He had the word of the Lord, didn't he? So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to the servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. Putting his face between his knees is the posture of childbirth. It is the posture of somebody who is birthing something in prayer. Are you with me? 
He knew the will of God. He knew the purpose of God. He knew what the word of the Lord had said. And then he went to the top of Mount Carmel to bring to pass in the earth that which God had purposed in heaven. The word of the Lord is not to exonerate you from all responsibility and from all decision making and from all prayer and from all courage. He sent up his servant. He said, go and look to up the sea. So he went up, that's a servant, and looked and said, there is nothing. Everyone said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So this is a man that understands that for things to happen in the earth, it takes God and it takes man. The Bible says that we are laborers together with God. It takes knowing the purpose of God and bringing that to pass through your courage and through your prayer. God will give you revelation about a business. He'll give you revelation about a thrust that needs to be um, that needs to be introduced in our country. He will show you His purpose, and then you will align with that purpose. And by faith, and through hard work, and through prayer, you will bring that purpose to pass in the earth. Elijah began to pray because he knew the purpose of God. This is the time for rain. Because God has said. It wasn't a year ago. It wasn't two years ago. This is that time because the word of the Lord has come. And he began to pray. He sent a servant. Go look. He said there's nothing. He continued praying. He said go look. He said there's nothing. Elijah knew that he was an instrument for bringing to pass the will of God in the earth. Verse 44 said, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Then he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. That was how the rain came into the earth. It was effective prayer. It was fervent prayer. But it was effective only because it was in line with the purpose of God. It was in line with the purpose of God. After this incident, you know, Ahab goes home and tells his wife Jezebel what um, Elijah... You know, there's some names that we should never call our children. <laughs> if, if your name is Jezebel, you need to change it. You know, there's certain names that... Um, you know, I think names are very important. Oh man, I, I didn't know I was going to go this way this morning. Names are very important. Um, your name is very important. The, the way you call your children is important. Let your, let, your, let your name have meanings that glorify God. Are you with me? Because every time you call that name, you know, every time you say something, sound waves go through your whole body. Yeah? Forget about what happens spiritually. Your, your whole body is responding to what you are saying. So make sure that the names that you call yourself and you call your children are names that create life and not death. I mean, why would you call your child Jabez? Which means cause pain. Cause pain! Come on, get some ice cream. Cause pain! Uh, are you with me? So you, you want to make sure you have the right name. Anyway, Jezebel um, was told what Elijah had done. He had killed 450 prophets. I mean, this must have been a hard day for Elijah. He got up in the morning, you know, he kills a bull, puts it on the altar, you know, prays fire from heaven, and then he says, let no one escape. He takes 450 guys and kills them. And then he goes up to intercede. Yeah? And rain came down on the earth, and then he outran, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, and he outran the chariots of Ahab to the city. 
And then, you know, the spirit of love doesn't stay on you forever. Then he leaves. You know, when the spirit of God comes off you, all the pains that you felt. And that's the reason why I exercise. Because this energy up here is by the Holy Spirit. But when he goes, when that anointing lifts and he does lift, I feel it. So this must have been a hard day for Elijah. And I'm sure he was very tired. He was very tired. Anyway, so Jezebel sends word to Elijah and said that the way you've killed my prophets, this is exactly what I'm going to do to you by tomorrow morning. And Elijah panics and runs away. Now, this is a man who is tired. When you're tired, you do a lot of strange things. That's why we say go on vacation, have a holiday, recuperate. But Elijah was tired and he ran away. But thank God he was a man of God. He knew when to run to. He ran to the mountain of God, Mount Carmel, to go and get the word of the Lord. He didn't have the word of the Lord on the matter. So he thought, you know, better go get the word of the Lord because only the word of the Lord can sustain me. Are you with me this morning? Are we in in the right direction? So Elijah ran to Mount Carmel. And look at what happens. In Mount Carmel, um, look at verse, um, verse 9. It says, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, turned down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord uh, God of hosts because of children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be whoever escapes the um, the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So the word of the Lord brought peace, it brought clarity, it brought boldness, it brought courage, it brought confidence, it brought that sense of purpose to the life of Elijah. Elijah was effective because of access to the word of the Lord. You know, the word of the Lord is a voice from another dimension. It cuts into the dimension of things and events which we call our world. It does not necessarily help us to manage things within this dimension more successfully than before. But what it does is it elevates the situation in which we have to decide into the light of a new dimension. The dimension which is ultimately important and infinitely significant and for which we use the word divine. It elevates us. You know God's ways 
are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When we get the word of the Lord for our situation, it brings us into a higher place, a place of eternal purpose. You know, the Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit knows all things, even the deep things of God. What separates us from the world is our access into the mind of God through prayer. In Jeremiah 33, 3, the Bible says, call upon me and I will answer you. I will show you something. I will show you hidden things that you do not know about. Those thoughts that have not entered into your mind. Those divine ideas that have purpose for you to unveil in the earth. It is in that place of prayer. It is in that place of intimacy with me that your heart will open to my mind. You know, a true idea will surprise you. Have you ever had an idea and it surprised you? Because a true idea is not the product of your mind. It comes from your heart. Are you with me? And that's why we're surprised. Because it is not the result of a sequence of thought. It just comes up. It just comes up. It elevates you. You know, Einstein said that you cannot solve a problem on the same level of consciousness that created it. Now, that is a smart man. He said, if you want to solve a problem, you can't use a problem to solve it. You need to be elevated. You need to comprehend something that you don't comprehend. Something needs to come from the spiritual world. You know, I was reading Einstein again. You know, he was giving a, a talk somewhere. You know, and somebody made the statement. They asked him, they said, you know, in the area of research, you know, what is an area, a new area, that hasn't been explored yet, that, that we, we, we should explore? You know, something that, you know how it is in the PhD thesis or whatever. You know, you want something, something fresh. And it's recorded that Einstein said prayer. We need to look into this thing of prayer. Because true prayer elevates you to a higher level. It brings you in contact with the mind of God for you. And we see over and over in the Old Testament, this reliance of, on, the, on this thing called the word of the Lord. This reliance on this thing called the word of the Lord. Kings sought prophets for the word of the Lord. They wanted the word of the Lord on a matter. And that word did not negate courage. In fact, the word of the Lord put them on a path that required great courage. When the Lord said, oh, go in this battle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for you. Do you know people died in the same battle? When the Lord appeared to Joshua... And he received the word of the Lord. The, the, the Lord said to him, Joshua, be strong and of, full of, and, and of good courage. So the word of the Lord does not, does not uh, negate engagement or your ability to make decisions. It elevates you to a higher place. It brings you to a place of purpose where you understand the purpose of God for your life. And that is available to you. Let's go to a few references here very quickly. Look at Jeremiah 37. Oh, we're getting ready for this month of prayer. We want the word of the Lord for our situation. We want the word of the Lord for our situation. Get anything out of this so far? Jeremiah 37 verse uh, 17. Let me set the context to this. Zedekiah was the king of Israel. And um, you know all these false prophets had been giving him all these prophecies. These strange prophecies. You know. He had ignored the word of the Lord. He was following after strange prophets. And war was um, on his doorstep. 
Verse 17 says, Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. He's speaking about Jeremiah here. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Yeah, the word of the Lord does not necessarily create peace and serenity. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it unveils the purpose of God. You know, all the false prophets were saying that, oh, um, you know, don't worry, even when Babylon takes over, just for two years we'll be in, uh, in captivity. And Elijah spoke by the word of the Lord that, no, you're going to be there for 70 years. So when you are in Babylon, get married, start businesses, because you're going to be there for a while. You know, the word of the Lord unveils to you what is really going on. What is really going on. Look at another one. Look at 1 Kings 22. The word of the Lord. Look at 1 Kings 22. This is about battle. In verse 7 it says, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Is there still a prophet of the Lord here? Somebody that has the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. You know, one of the great things about the New Testament is the fact that the Spirit of God no longer just resides on, the, on prophets, on kings, and on priests. You know, in the Old Testament, only three people, or three, three categories of people, um, had access to the Spirit of God, um, and only for a short period of time. The king, the priest, and the prophet. And uh, the Spirit of God will come upon them, especially the prophet, and, and they will get the word of the Lord for, for the people of God. But thank God in the New Testament, the Spirit of God has broken out from being in the Holy of Holies and He has now created a new temple called our bodies. And that was exactly why the, the veil of the temple was split from top to bottom. God came out of the temple into the hearts of man. And now the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. The temple of God is your body. The, 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 the Shekinah glory of God, His very presence is in your heart. And through time in the spirit, through praying in the spirit, through prayer, and effective prayer, you will access the mind of God for your life. You know, I was sharing with the students upstairs at 9 o'clock, we have, a, we have a, a teaching session. Proverbs 25 says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The word of the Lord is available to you, it's in your heart. But it's like the deep water in the well. You need to draw it out. You need to draw it out. It's not on the surface. It is deep on the inside of you. You need to draw it out. And you draw it out through focused prayer. Through praying in the spirit. Through praying in other tongues. You draw out the counsel of God on the inside of you. And you open the door to a new dimension of living. It is called living by the word of the Lord. You know sometimes... Um, we as New Testament believers, we get deceived into thinking that this is no longer important. You know, I've got the word of God. I've got the Bible. And thank God for the scriptures. The Bible says that the word himself was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. The divine logos himself, Jesus Christ, was made flesh. So we have the word, don't we? Are you with me? We have what? We have the word. We are word people. But you know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know the word word there is not logos, it's rema. It says man shall not live by bread alone, 
But by every word, every word, it's not talking about the revealed will of God. It says every word, that instant word, that fresh word for your situation. The word of God, the written word, is meant to bring you into contact with the living word. It's meant to bring you into contact with something that is alive and speaks to your current situation. Are you with me? You haven't found the word to live by until it's alive and speaks into your situation. You need to take the scriptures. You need to commune with the scriptures. You need to pray in the spirit. You need to let God ignite his word to and make it alive to you for your situation. You need to seek the word of the Lord. You know, I remember sometime, one time that the word of the Lord came to me. And you know, the, the Lord probably arranged it this way. Because for all eternity, I'm going to talk about it. You know, and, um, and it really just illustrates the point I'm making. Because sometimes you have choices to make. How do you know which one to take? You know, some choices are very easy. Because you have the scriptures on the matter. Should I go out with this married man? You don't need to pray about it. No prayer is required. You have the word on the matter. Um, should I take this bribe? You know, this is Nigeria after all. Well, the Bible says the integrity of a man shall, shall lead him. The integrity of the righteous shall lead him. So integrity answers that question for you. Because yes, you might get a contract now, but you are going down a path that is going to lead to destruction. Because the Lord is not in that path. You said, no, but this path is difficult. Yes, it's called the narrow path. Only few find it, but it leads to life. It leads to life. Yeah, it leads to life. It, this path... You know, big doors swing on small hinges. It might be a small hinge when you make a decision of integrity. But it's opening a big door. It's opening a big door. It, it may seem small. I was telling the guys upstairs that the greatest friends I've had and the greatest miracles I've had have been packaged on small hinges. Where the Lord led me down a path of obedience. And thank God I obeyed him in that particular area. And as a result, I was able to connect with the right people and the right opportunities in the most innocuous of places. Do you understand? Like Bethlehem. Who would have thought that it's from Bethlehem that the king will come? Are you with me? Yeah? So big doors swing on very small hinges. But when you follow the path of integrity, it, it, it will open the big doors. Because the big doors are behind those hinges. Are you, are you with me? It may not happen in six months. It may not happen in two years. It may not even happen in three years. But then as you keep walking on those doors that are, that are swung on hinges of integrity, it's going to open a really big door for you. Because that is the way of the Lord. So there are some decisions that are easy to make. But there are other decisions that you, know, you, can, you, can, you can choose a lot of different options. And that's where you need the word of the Lord on the matter. You need, to, you need to cut off your Blackberry, cut off your phone, and take time out with the Lord and his word on this matter. And spend time in the spirit. In the spirit. In the spirit. Spend time in the spirit. You know, Pastor David Paul Yonggi Cho, who's the pastor of the largest church in the world, he said that I pray much in the Holy Spirit and I do what he says. Brother Hagin says I pray much in the Holy Spirit. And what I see is what I do. 
I mean, these are men that have learned how to enter into a different dimension of living. Living by the word of the Lord. It is not surface water. It is called deep water. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. A man of understanding will draw it out. You know, I remember before Anita and I got married, you know, um, the, the word of the Lord came to me. And I wasn't doing anything spiritual. In fact, I was doing a lot of stuff unspiritual at this particular time. Uh, and, you know, our relationship was going through a very, very rocky patch. We hadn't actually um, started going out officially then to get married, but some things had happened, and I decided, you know, this is not going to happen. It's not going to work. Um, I've been carrying a lot of baggage before we got together, and I thought, you know what? These women matter. It's just not going to happen. Not because she was a difficult person, but I, I just had my baggage. But, you know, God can cut through your baggage. God can cut through your baggage. I remember one day I was going to her place and I'd made certain decisions. This was years, years ago. I'd made certain decisions and I was walking towards her place and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, it's an amazing thing. It was the worst possible time to get the word of the Lord because I was not doing anything spiritual. In fact, I'd made up my mind about certain things. And I was walking to her place and the Lord spoke to me in the midst of my darkness he just said, do you want her or don't you? And I stopped in my tracks. And I said, what? And he repeated himself. And I said, yes, I want her. And then he said, then you're going to have to love her. Now, that was the word of the Lord into my darkness. The word of the Lord did not make a decision for me. You know, I'm always very concerned about people who the Lord just makes decisions for. I am very, uh, honestly, because in my experience, the word of the Lord does not make decisions for me. When the word comes, he, show, he, he elevates me to a different level of thinking. He, he shows me the true situation of things. And then I make my decision based on what I see. And when he said that, I knew what my decision was. I said, yes, I'm going to love her. And then all hell broke loose. Are you with me? Because when the word of the Lord comes, it's not because your path is going to be easy. Are you with me? He shows you how to bring the kingdom of God to pass in the physical. When you pray, when you begin to pray, and he shows you an area of business and says, this is what I've allocated to you. You are going to have to fight for it. But the great thing is that you have the confidence that God is with me in this matter. God is with me in this matter. So main, major decisions must never be made without spending time and pressing into the mind of God. I am in this country because of the word of the Lord. So I don't care what comes. My heart is at peace. That peace can only be created by the word of the Lord. Uh, are you with me? Where you take the scripture, I'm not going to tell you, thou shalt move to uh, Istanbul. Uh, are you with me? The scriptures are not going to tell you, you know, okay, this is where you should be at this time. No. Elijah had to press into the word of the Lord. The Lord said, go to a foreign place, go to Zarephath. Could God not have taken care of Elijah in Israel? 
He said, this is my purpose for you at this time. This is what I want you to do. And Elijah went there and the widow rebuffed him and he stood his ground because he was acting on revelation. God save us from a life where we feel that all we have is the scriptures to guide us. Yes, we have the scriptures, but the scriptures are meant to lead us to Jesus who is alive. The scriptures are meant to open the door to a level of intimacy with God, to communion with God, and insight that is for your living today. You know, the strength of a king was determined by his access to the word of the Lord. The strength of a king was determined by his access to the word of the Lord. Look at a few more things. Look at 1 Samuel 3. Oh man. Gonna bring this to a close. Work with me very quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the boss, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. I mean, they they had the uh, the Torah, they had the scriptures, but there was no revelation. The word of God was rare. The, no one was hearing what God, no, no one was receiving an unveiling of the purpose of God. The word of the Lord was rare. Everyone say it was rare. It was rare. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli, he was a priest, he was doing what? He was lying down in his place, and his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the word of the Lord came to Samuel and he answered, Here I am. I mean, look at the, the dispensation. The word of the Lord was not was rare. No one was getting a lively revelation from God. Everything was stale. Everything was going down. They had the scriptures, but it was not alive. It is the spirit that makes the word, the scriptures alive. He brings the word into your situation. Eli was a priest, but his eyes were dim. He did not see. How many priests do we have? And stop looking at the pulpit. We are a kingdom of priests. I'm going to start a series on that soon. How many priests do we have whose eyes are dim? To whom the word of God is rare. They have no revelation. They have no insight. There is nothing. They have no lively unveiling of God's purpose for them today. They are living from pillar to post. They have not pressed in. If you have a well full of water, you stay until the bucket reaches the water. You don't say, well, I wound it twice and it didn't, maybe there's no water. They said that there is water in the well. Lower that bucket until you hit the water. Counsel is in the heart of a man. Don't draw back from it. Press into it until you receive insight. It is your destiny. That is why the Spirit of God has come. Stop living like mere men by just how you feel, by just what looks reasonable and logical. Tomorrow it might not look logical because the circumstances may change. Is that how you want to live your life? Let's look at one more. Look at 1 Samuel 28. Like I said, we're laying the foundation. We want to pray. We want to pray about our families. 
We want to pray about our businesses. We're not telling God to do something. No, we are praying into the word of the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're praying into the word of the Lord. We're praying into insight. We want to pause. You know, Isaiah 30, 15 says, In returning and in rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Our strength is in the quietness of communion with God. Where we receive insight from the divine. That is where our strength is. It is not in a loud noise. No, it is putting ourselves in a place where we can hear the still small voice on the inside. That is where our strength is as a people. We're going to seek God for our businesses. We're going to seek God for our families. We're going to press into the word of the Lord for us. 1 Samuel 28. Okay. Verse 4. Now Saul had gone... (laughs) He had disobeyed God and he had lived by his uh, own strength and he had basically, the Lord had moved. It says, verse 4 says, And the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was what? Afraid. And his heart trembled greatly. It is not the war that makes us fear. It is the fact that we don't have the word of the Lord. Did David not say that when an army encamps against me, I will not fear, I will be confident? When they array themselves against me, I will be confident. Why? Because he, he had the word of the Lord. The reason why Saul was afraid was because he did not have the word of the Lord. Verse 6 says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. The Urim was something that the, the priests wore uh, and, and they consulted the Lord through the Urim uh, and the Lord will indicate which way to go. So by the priest, he wasn't getting the word of the Lord. By the prophet, he wasn't getting the word of the Lord. By, the, uh, by dreams, he wasn't getting the word of the Lord. What should he have done? He should have just fallen on his face and repented. But what did he do? Then Saul said to the servants, find me a woman. We look for women for different reasons. When confusion comes, it's like, well, find me a woman but in this case he said find a woman who is a medium that I may go and inquire of her I want the word I want a supernatural word and I don't care where I get it from so you now call the uncle and say uncle you know that person that uh, lives in the village although you know now you know um, tribal what are they called tribal herbalists witch doctors etc they don't live in the village anymore they're in Lecky, they're in VGC. Digital. Yes, there's even digital word. It's not village, don't be fooled. <laughs> yeah, they've moved. <clears throat> he said, find me a woman that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said, in fact, there's a woman who is a medium at Endo. So Saul disguised himself, the priest, the king. I mean, when you think about Saul, think about yourself. Because in Christ, that is how God regards you. You are a priest. You are a king. You have access to the divine well of wisdom. He now takes himself to this woman. Rather than drawing the counsel from his heart, he goes to this woman. He disguises himself and puts on other clothes. And he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And she said, please, he said, please conduct a seance for me. And bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, look, you know what Saul has done. How he has cut off the mediums 
and the spirit is from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? So, um, and then Saul swore to her by the Lord saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Who shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. If this is what the woman did, why was she suddenly afraid when Samuel came up? You see, what happens is, these witch doctors and tribalists consult with demons and familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is, is familiar with you. Do you understand? I mean, demons walk around all the time. And they know who you are. Don't say, God forbid. They know who you are. <laughs> they know what you do. Do you understand? Demons are very familiar with you. So when you go to some kind of person that is consulting with um, and says, oh, I will bring your mother spirits. What is happening is a demon will manifest that is familiar with your family. So any question you ask them, they'll be able to answer. That's why they're called familiar spirits. Are you with me? If I'm standing beside you all day, I'll be able to tell you what you ate this morning. So if someone says, oh, you had eggs for breakfast. It doesn't mean that they are operating by the spirit of God. It just means that some spiritual being that is familiar with you is giving them the info. Now this is what this woman did. But when she consulted, by divine appointment, Samuel actually showed up. And she was afraid. Wow. Samuel came. God allowed Samuel to come out of of the place of departed spirits. And Samuel came. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What, what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a spirit ascending out of the earth. And he said to her, What is this form? And he said, An old man is coming up, and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul said, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I called you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you, and has become your enemy? The point I'm trying to make here, is that the presence of God with a man, was determined... By the man's ability to access the word of the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, why are, you, why are you, I mean, God has departed from you because you cannot access his word anymore. So if we know that the Lord is with us, what, what testifies to the fact that the Lord is with us is our access to the word of the Lord. If you are not accessing the word of the Lord, then it means that yes, the Lord is with you, but you are not doing what you should because the word of the Lord is the difference maker. It is the difference maker. We need to raise our Christian experience to a different level. That what makes me a Christian is yes, I've received Jesus, but I have access to the word of the Lord. The Lord is always speaking. What makes us human beings is the fact that we can access the eternal. That's what makes us human beings. The difference between a human being and an animal is that a human being has a spirit and that spirit is able to commune with God. That's what makes us different. So this is the standard of living that we are meant to embrace. The Bible says that the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of your body is your spiritual man, the eye. 
If your eye is single, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is dim, there will be great darkness in your body. You will be confused. You will live like mere human beings. You will live like everybody else. But that is not our destiny. Man shall not live by bread alone. But we are alive through the word of the Lord that comes. And the way we access the word of the Lord is by prayer. By seeking his face. By that single mindedness that you know this is my destiny. And I will not draw back until I receive from God. David said I will behold your face in righteousness. I will arise when I awake with your likeness. So I'll behold your face in righteousness. I will arise when I awake with your likeness. I'll read this verse and we'll close. In Ezra 8.21, Ezra made this statement. He said, I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king, saying the hand of our God is upon us, or, 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 upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer. He answered our prayer. We're declaring a fast on Friday. We're going to fast all day and we're going to begin to pray. Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to come together upstairs. We're going to pray. On Sunday morning at 9.30, we're going to pray. Like Solomon mentioned, we're going to pray about four different things. We're going to pray about our families. I'm going to be ministering to people, who are married couples, people who want to get married, people who want to, who want to have children. And after a time of prayer, I'm going to pray for you and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to be praying about businesses. We're going to be seeking God for businesses in a certain week. We're going to lay hands on the business people and pray for them and believe God with them. We're going to pray concerning our nation. We're going to pray concerning our church and some of the key things that, um, that, um, some of the key things that um, we have to deal with over the next 12, 24 months. We're going to entreat our God and our God is going to answer us. Our God is going to answer us. I'd like to encourage you to join us in this um, as we do this together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for the word of God. Thank you, O oh God, because we're a different people. We're different not because of anything we've done. We're only different because of your grace, because we've responded to your grace. We thank you, O oh God, because you have called us, you have drawn us closer to yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have drawn us closer to yourself. We thank you because our lives are hid in Christ in God. And therefore our security is in you forever. Lord, we dedicate this month to you. We, we pause to seek your face. To entreat you concerning our families and our businesses and our church and our nation. We thank you because you unveil to our hearts your word and your purpose. Thank you, holy God. <clears throat> in Jesus' name.